Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Here's the point. Creation demands a creator. Design demands a designer. When anyone looks at the sun, the moon, the stars, any of the galaxies, absolutely God has put in their heart, when you look at that, you know there's a God. Say scientists won't agree with that. No, that's because they are suppressing the truth. There's been hostility against the God of the Bible in public in America for a few years. It was mainly the elites of society, the media and Hollywood in particular. But in recent years, the public disdain has spread and become more obvious. But what Pastor Mark's teaching about today is what's behind this rejection of God's Word. It's something everyone has, choice. In the teaching today, you'll hear about this awesome aspect of human nature and how it offers you a chance to decide your eternal fate. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 11 as he continues his message, Faith, God's Gymnasium. Billions and billions and billions and billions of stars, and God knows them all by name. I can't even comprehend that at all. I meet four or five of you in a store, and I go, okay. Mm. And it's not just because I'm older. It's just too many people. You say, well, I know your name. Hello. You can't keep Pastor Dean and Dave straight, though, but you can keep. No, that's all right. All right. Let's look at verse 3. Notice. By faith. Say it with me. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Go ahead and meditate on that for a while. See, here's three verses. Genesis 1.1, Psalms 33.6 and 33.9. Know what they say. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Psalm 33.6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Let there be light. Now you might have a clapper in your home. That doesn't even come close. Let there be light. Out of what? Nothing. We can't comprehend that. So he says, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. Verse 9, for he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. So, 
Faith allows us to understand that God created the world out of nothing except his creative word. Doesn't make sense to us. We either believe by God's word that he was the creator of the world and everything in it, or we simply don't believe that. Pastor Mark, how can I believe it? Well, look back at verse 11. What's the first two words? By faith. What is faith? Faith is believing God's word is true. God said he created it. I believe it. Should be it. Nothing wrong with you if that's your big deal in astrophysics and all those kind of things. You're much brilliant than I am. But bottom line, guess what's going to happen to him in the end? You're going to have to finally accept it by faith. Simply by faith. So, when we understand that, it brings a comfort to me. Can you understand heaven? Can you understand that you're going to live forever? I can't understand that. I don't even, it's impossible for us to grab that. But we are. So, notice verse 3 again. By faith, notice these words. By faith, we understand. We must believe or have faith first to understand. So a scientist who doesn't believe in God will never understand. Does that make sense to you? For me to understand the principles in the word of God, I have to have faith. Second, some things can't be proved because they are outside our logic systems. Some things simply can't be proved. That's why God is God, and you and I are not. When we come to that, I simply believe it. Now, turn with me to Romans 1 for a moment. Let me show you the balance to this. For people who say, I cannot believe that, I don't believe that out of nothing, some quote, higher power, came up and created this out of nothing. I can't believe that. Well, God says, yes, you can believe it. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men. Notice, here it is. Who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. Well, how do we know that? Because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. God put within every man faith to believe in him and his creating of the world. This verse simply means this. Here's the point. Creation demands a creator. Design demands a designer. When anyone looks at the sun, the moon, the stars, any of the galaxies... Absolutely, God has put in their heart. When you look at that, you know there's a God. 
Say scientists won't agree with that. No, that's because they are suppressing the truth. God put this in man that they know there's a God. And God put, Ecclesiastes says, another thing in man. They know after they die, they're going to live forever. So God put within them the understanding that there is a creator, has to be. And second, God put within them, as we know from Ecclesiastes, that after man dies, he's going to live on somewhere else. Eternity has been placed in the heart of man by God. You say, well, my friends are atheists, and they didn't receive that from God. No, that's wrong. They've received it. They actually repress it. So it's never a matter that I can't have faith to believe this. It's a matter of they won't believe. Now, can I prove that? No. Except the Bible says it, and I have faith in the Word of God. God didn't give some of us faith to believe and not others. God wants you to believe. He can only be pleased with faith. If you couldn't have faith, he couldn't be pleased with you. And that's not our God. So understand, God's point is exquisitely clear. The fact of creation outlined in the Bible is unimpeachable. You either believe it as God said it, or you willingly suppress the truth. And when you do that, you come under, as verse 18 says, the wrath of God. So it's not blow your brains out, become a Christian. Exactly the opposite. See, the big bang, I have to blow my brains out. Think of that 747. Let's put a big bang on that baby. Blow it up into a million parts. Come back tomorrow morning and it's all put together. You wouldn't believe that in a billion years. But that's what science says. <laughs> Somehow it all got here. Mom got to the right place, the right place. You and I can't even find our keys when we go out in the morning. <laughs> Am I right? Right. Okay. Now we begin the individuals, the people that had faith. If you write in your Bible, this first one, verse 4, is we learn to worship by faith. So here it is. By faith, Abel offered God, here comes that word, a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks. Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. Now, we're not talking to the dead, but Abel is speaking to us. His faith is the reason we're studying verse 4. It speaks to me through God. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, go to verse 9. Let's bring ourselves up to speed with Abel and Cain. But the Lord God, remember Adam and Eve sinned. They go hiding. But the Lord God called to man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, Adam speaking, because I was naked, so I hid. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned, they became aware of their nakedness. Nakedness is not bad between a husband and wife, but here it's just a picture of a symbol of them being aware of their sin. It was evident. They wanted to hide that sin from God. Now, go down to verse 21. What is God going to do with that? Well, you know, the curse, the whole deal. We're not going into that. But I want you to read this because it relates to where we're going. And the Lord God made garments of skin 
for Adam and his wife and clothed them. We see here that God still loved sinful man. So what does he do? He's going to make clothing, notice, to cover their sin. Old Testament, kofar, cover. Never done away with. That's why the new covenant's better. Forgiveness, completely forgotten. But he's going to make clothing to cover their nakedness. Now, where is he going to get the clothing? He doesn't go down to Target, Target. He finds an animal, and we know where he makes it. Look at the verse. Made garments of what? Skin. So here we have the death of an animal, shedding of blood to make garments. Of course, this is a symbol pointing to Scripture we know. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And of course, it's a picture of Jesus Christ. Now go to Genesis chapter 4. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. So Adam and Eve, they have sexual intercourse, and they become the first parents on the earth. There's no daycare. They're responsible the way it always should be. Now, you just have to think about this because we go on many, many, actually more than 100 years in this, in this little part of the chapter here. We just go on and on and on and on. So if you're a parent, just think of this even in common sense. You're a parent. You're Adam and Eve. And your kids ask you as they're growing up, where'd you get the clothes? What's the deal here? We're going to have any clothes. Where'd you get the clothes? Mom and dad are going to what? Going to tell them the story of what happened. And they're going to tell them a story about that they disobeyed God and that, well, if you disobey God, there has to be somebody to take your place or sin brings death. And so they're going to go through and they're going to be teaching their kids about the wages of sin and all the rest of the stuff and the purpose of an offering to God. Here's how we worship God. We bring animals. We bring our hearts. Now, the first thing I just want you to write, and then I'm going to read some things to you tonight. I'm not going to take time to turn there, but this is very important. Parents, single parents, doesn't matter. You have the God-given responsibility to teach your children about God. Nobody else is going to do that. Nobody else should do that. You should do that. And you need to be responsible for that. I won't take time tonight, but you can just go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. The first eight verses is a great job description for a parent. It's huge. It's beautiful. Now, when your children are old enough, obviously like these guys were, to understand sin, grace, forgiveness, you have an opportunity to lead them to the Lord. And so I encourage you to do that. You're ultimately responsible. Of course, we have Sunday school and we have all kinds of wonderful ways. And, but I was given that responsibility as were you. Now look at verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil. Cain was a guy that was a gardener as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of the flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. 
So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. There's lots of debate and all the kind of different things, what happened, why God favored this, he favored one over the other and all the rest. Let me just give you two things to think about. First, I think we see here the necessity in worship of obedience. Abel believed God in his word and he brought an animal. That would have been the acceptable way to bring worship to God. Cain, on the other hand, chose to come to God his own way. He certainly could have changed some fruit and things or whatever with his brother and all those things, but he didn't. So he just brings a sacrifice, good, he's a worshiper, from his own garden, from his own good works. To me, this is kind of a picture initially of pride. I'm going to approach God my way. Not God's way, my way. And we know that God hates pride. Dead religion never pleases God. He talks about it very often. You praise me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. So the first thing that's probably a mistake here is, God said, do it this way. Cain says, I'm going to do it this way. I don't care what God says. The next thing I think that's just as important in this, I don't think it's only obedience. I think there's a heart attitude problem here. And if we could go back, and we can't, I probably have a picture that Adam and Eve had trouble handling these two boys because I think they didn't get along quite often. They were very different. That's not unusual. And so... Abel had a heart, we can see, that wanted to please God. Cain's heart, if you read this, looks very different to me. When God rejects it, what does Cain do? Well, look at this. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was instantly very angry. You can picture it, can't you? And his face was downcast. Well, look at verse 6. And what's the Lord going to do with that? The Lord says, basically, I'm not pleased with your offering, but I'm going to give you a second chance. Look at the goodness of God. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, aha. So there was a way to approach this right. I think it was two ways. One, that he didn't do it the way God asked. And two, he's done it with the wrong attitude. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? The answer to that is, yes, you will. But if you do not do what is right, notice this. Here's a picture of a lion on your porch. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain had said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? Can you imagine talking back to God like this? I don't know. Here's the wrong attitude. Am I my brother's keeper? We hear that in the church today. I don't care if they're hurting. It's not my problem. Well, we are our brother's keeper. We're family. And the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. I believe Cain had a heart that was hard. And he refused to repent, and so he stayed angry at God. Abel had a submissive heart. 
Cain had a rebellious one. In spite of a loving warning from God, you can repent. Sin's right there. It's ready to get you, but you don't have to do it. You can change. You can bring me the right offering. I'm giving you an opportunity to be repentant. How could he have had a right heart? Three things I want you to write as we close. Number one, living in obedience produces a soft heart. That's what God is saying to him. If you'd have done it right, you'd have had a good attitude. You'd have had the right heart. But you want to do it your way. You can't do it your way. Remember Hebrews 3.15? Remember what it says today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled? That's exactly what Cain did. When he heard God's voice, he hardened his heart. Hebrews 13.15. Number two, being teachable produces a soft heart. Can you imagine it? He's not about to listen to God. He's not even interested in listening to God. And number three, Living in forgiveness produces a soft heart. You see, I want, I want a soft heart. That's what I want. I know that's what you want. Notice Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. That's exactly what happened. God came to Cain and said, Cain, I want to be pleased with you. Do it my way. If you don't, sin is at your door, and it will conquer you. Did it? It did. And because he was angry, and he let the sun go down in his anger, when he got up the next day, he went out and killed his brother. We have the first murder in the Bible. God was 100% right. It's not God's fault. But he had a hard heart, wasn't teachable, wouldn't forgive God, actually, for saying to him that you did it the wrong way and wouldn't obey. Psalm 139 says this. Listen to it. Search me, O God. Psalm 139, 23. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious ways. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The last part of Hebrews eleven four says this. And by his faith, he still speaks, even though he's dead. You see, the word of God is about Abel and Cain, and it speaks to us. Why? Because this word, even though Cain and Abel are both dead, this word is alive. Do you know it spoke to you? It spoke to me the whole time I was studying this. Woo! Wow! Look at that. Remember I told you, attitude is so important. Cain's problem? Attitude. Today, Pastor Mark taught about the gymnasium of faith, where faith is used, tested, and increased. He found out that all followers of God need to go to this gym, but that not all of them do. You learn that all of the saints in the Bible that you admire had to do this. And just like they did, you've got to hit the gym if you expect to have the kind of faith that pleases God. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. 
Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This winds up Pastor Mark's teaching, Faith, God's Gymnasium. Next time, he'll begin his message, Steps of Faith. You'll continue learning about what faith is and what God expects from his people. Pastor Mark will be talking again about what's called active faith, which basically means that you move beyond talking about God's promises to acting on those promises. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a hurry.